the Apostle Paul, the great missionary who wrote, as you know, half the New Testament and had a, a, a burden to be able to see people saved in areas of the world at that time that never had heard about Jesus. And he wrote in 2 Corinthians, if you'll turn there with me this morning, in chapter 4, talking about his ministry. <clears throat> this is a truth that I hope will stick with you throughout the rest of your life. You know the passage. Think about it this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'll read the first seven verses. Paul says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, all those shameful things we have refused and denied, Paul says. You think about the shameful things of our day. Have you refused them? Have you denied them? All those things of dishonesty. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, our own gain from the gospel, and many other applications there. But by manifestation of the truth, an expression, a delivery, making known the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We have determined that we're going to get the message of God to every man's conscience. And we refuse things that are shameful. We refuse things that are hidden, things that are not right, things that don't please God. We want to get the message to the hearts and minds of people, Paul says. But if our gospel, this same message he was talking about in verse 2, be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. If we have it and we don't take it, we're keeping it from people who are bound to hell for all eternity. In whom the God of this world, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light, catch this phrase, underline it, Circle it, highlight it, whatever you do in your Bible. The light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Remember what it said before that? In whom, these people where the gospel is hidden from, in whom the God of this world, the devil, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, because, lest, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine, shine, come before them, be bright before them. There's truth, there's a path, there's a way out of their darkness and out of their shame and out of their, their idol worship. There's a way, there's a plan. The devil doesn't want it to shine into the life space of those here, potential hearers. He wants it to be hidden. He wants them to be lost. But the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is there for them. That was his mission, to shine that light. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. In our camp, I tell the kids to do it like this. Ourselves pointing at them, your servants, 
for Jesus' sake. Do it with me. Point at yourself. Ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Again, ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. That's what we're to be to this world as we shine the light of the glorious gospel of God before them. What a message. How can it be? Only because of the message. Only because of the light that has been made available to us. For God, verse 6, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Darkness is just darkness. There's nothing really there. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 that man is stumbling around in the darkness. And there's nothing there but darkness. And praise the Lord, the light, Jesus Christ, who is the light, comes and He shines. And we take that glorious gospel, the light of the gospel, and we shine it before them. And the Bible makes it clear here in this verse, as we just read to you, God who commands to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to, what's the next word? Give. He's shining in our hearts so we can stand around and gloat and just shine and say how wonderful we are. No, he shined the light of the gospel, so we'll give, give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. When I, through the years, have studied this, in recent years, began to read it almost word by word and try to meditate on the words, it struck me of the tremendous blessing I've been given and we've been given by having the light. How many people do you know that are still in darkness right now? Can you imagine people in darkness, even where the light shines through an individual giving it, through uh, the internet, through churches that are surrounding them, or wherever it might be in U.S. of A.? They're still in darkness. Think of those places where there's very little light that's being seen or shining from the lives of the people who are there. Because many of them don't know Christ. The glorious gospel, oh, what a blessing, to give it to those who are lost. Verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The excellency of of the power may be of God and not of us. You know what I did in my Bible? I took a, I underlined the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in verse 6, and I drew an error right down. But we have this treasure. What's the treasure? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Amen? That's what we have. That's our treasure. And God chose to put it in us earthen vessels. Us clay pots. People who are fragile and can easily break. People who faint, as you heard yesterday. People who get depressed. People who become wayward. People who don't love God 100% of the time like they ought to. God chose for the light to shine in us. So we could give that light to other people. So the excellency of the power of that gospel shining light would be of God and nobody else. That's why 
It's been put in earthen vessels. And those earthen vessels come and they surrender their earthen vessel to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am as I am, but you saved me as I am and you put the light in me and, and, and I called upon the Lord Jesus Christ and I was gloriously saved and, and now, Lord, I, I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I, I still want to come before you as an earthen vessel and, Lord, would you use me somewhere? See, that takes all the pride out. It takes all the self out. It even takes all the, I got this talent out. Because God's going to use you as God wants to use you. It's a matter of coming and saying, Lord, I'm here. How do you want to use me? You say, well, I can't talk very much. Go have a conversation with Moses, okay? <laughs> uh, some other servants of the Lord. I can't really do this and I can't do that. You know, none of us can do it. I don't care if we've been doing it 40, 50 years. I couldn't even stand up here this morning except for the Spirit of God, except for the Lord at work, except for the power of the truth of the Word stirring our soul and reminding us who our God is and reminding us that we've, we've been in darkness all of our life and suddenly the light of the glorious gospel was shining in our heart from someone who communicated that message. And now we have a great responsibility to give it. The mission field ministry doesn't start after you leave Ambassador Baptist College. I pray it started before you came. But now you cultivate that, that heart and that burden and that need and you see God wants to use you because how can they hear without a preacher, without a communicator, without a representative, without an ambassador? the light of the glorious gospel. God wants us all the days of our life to magnify him. This great missionary, the Apostle Paul, that gave this message that I've quickly gone through, talking about the light of the glorious gospel, stirred his heart, as I said, to take it to various fields around the part of the world at that time that people might know who Jesus was. I'm so thankful for the day that somebody told me how I could be saved. Matter of fact, just five years before that ride in the car with Dr. Comfort sitting in the front seat with my dad, someone had knocked on our door in eastern North Carolina and said, how would you like to come out to the Bill Hall, Vangelis Bill Hall meetings? My parents, young parents, went. And on that Tuesday night, nine years of age, I realized I was a sinner. That time by fate, Accepted Christ, tugged on my dad's coat, and praise the Lord, he encouraged me to go. And I walked down that aisle, and a man named Ed Whitley, who was in that church at the time, took me to a private place and showed me in the Bible how I can know for sure I'd be going to heaven. That time changed my, our life. My parents hadn't grown in the Lord up to that, that point. They'd been saved early years, and then they started going, and they started hearing the Word, and they started learning more about God and growing. And my dad had a business, a grocery business, and it wasn't long after that that we, we had Oliver B. Green gospel tracts at the end of the cash registers. And we grew up having to put those booklets in the paper bags. They were paper back then. Paper bags. And I'd see my dad over witnessing to the man that brought the chips and set them up or the man that brought the Coke and set it up, whatever it might be. And different times he genuinely led people to the Lord in that place of business. God allowed him to tear that one down, to build one bigger in the back and another 
part of the property he had, and God just, and we knelt down there in that concrete floor before anything was in there, and he gave that business to God. He took out the alcohol, we took out the cigarettes, and, and anything that wouldn't honor the Lord, and God kept blessing it, and it's through that little business that God blessed him, and it possible for us to go off to Christian school. That's God doing the work. That's God shining the light. I've met a lot of people in Nova Scotia who've been in darkness. Lives messed up. But I'm thankful for those people that I had a chance to go by their home. number of people when I was 27, 28, 29, 30, not much older than you, many of you. And I went to those fishing villages and I knock on those doors and I had a dear lady, 72 years of age. I just opened the Bible and began to read it that day. She was the grandmother of some people who came to our church. And already God had prepared her heart. I was reading John chapter 3. Tears start coming down her eyes. And I just simply said after I read it, gave her the gospel, would you like to receive Christ as your Savior today? She kept on tears coming down. She said, yes, I would. At that point, I think I was pastoring just two churches. We had three after a while. But that night on Tuesday night, she came to our prayer meeting and got up and gave a testimony of what God did that afternoon in her heart. Person after person after person, God opened the door so we could give them the light. There is no greater thrill than being able to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to someone. I hope it will be your passion. But you know what? There are times in our lives that we get away from that being our, our passion. There are times we, we get our eyes on something else, and this is where we go. And it's almost like we're ashamed to give the gospel. We don't know how to do it again. We don't know how to get the engine started, so to speak. And, and we're almost nervous about it. We've all been there and done that. We're all in the same boat. But what, we, what do we do when we want to go somewhere? We just start in that direction, right? We just turn start on. And we do it the first time and the second and the third. Before you know it, God's given you a burden for it again. And after a while, as you see people, you begin to think about, that person may not know the Lord. And I mean, you're not fanatical and radical about it, but you just are gracious and kind and showing Christ to those people, and you give them that message. We've had a number of people come into Nova Scotia over the last several years from other countries. A number of Muslims have come. Now, typically, they've been concentrating in like Vancouver, Toronto, uh, large metropolitan areas of Canada. But we've seen more and more coming to the maritime provinces and people from India and other places. And I, I've been giving them gospel tracts. I do go to Tim Hortons once in a while there, Dr. Bill. And you come up, we'll get you to go there too. <laughs> and it's, it's been a, an opportunity at those places where many of them work to be able to reach in your pocket, give them that track, and they look at it. They don't have any idea what it is. I've had many of them thank me for it. Sometimes even more than native-born Canadians do. I think the mission field has come to us. And I believe that God has an opportunity before us where we can give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to them. Because when you read the Word of God, particularly Philippians chapter 1, as the Apostle Paul was so clear on, he made it clear that we were to go forth and magnify the Lord with our lives. Remember that? Philippians chapter 1. For me to live is Christ, 
and to die as gain. His whole heartbeat was, I want to magnify the Lord. I want to magnify God. I believe the scripture teaches us as the majesty of heaven. A lot of people don't even believe that God is the creator. They don't even believe that God exists and we need to live our lives and show them the scriptures that we want to magnify him. The scriptures, have, there's a lot of verses that talk about that. The psalmist says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them continually, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. When the Bible uses the word magnify, you know what it means when you get your phone out and you go like this. We all know what that means, right? We're making that picture enlarged. God is already God. God is already who He is. We don't have time to read Psalm 145 sometime. You'll get a thrill in understanding more and more that this is the description of our high and mighty and glorious and majestic God. And we enlarge the picture. He's already who He is, but we make Him large and great among the people. Megaluno, mega. We know mega stores are, right? Enlarged. That's what we're going to do when we magnify God. Magnify Him as the majesty of heaven. We need to magnify Him as the master of our life. That means we have to renounce some things. We have to deny ourselves. We can't handle the word deceitfully. We have to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I've known you, but this sin is getting in the way of my fellowship with you. Do you think that ever happens in the life of a believer? It sure does. This sin is getting in the way of my fellowship. This sin is getting in the way of my having any kind of burden to tell people about Jesus. And Lord, right now, today, I want to deal with this sin. I've seen so many young people get caught up in pornography and get caught up in relationship situations that have taken, taken them out of the army. I don't mean out of salvation, but out of the army, having a heart and wanting to move forward as a soldier of Jesus Christ and let people know who he is. And when you spend time with the Lord, you want to be like the Lord. And we all fall short of the glory of God. But he wants us to magnify him as the master of our life. That means we magnify him in our workspace. We magnify him in our classes. We magnify him on our Facebook page. We magnify him in our entertainment. We make God large in the eyes of those who are around us. I believe it's important that we have an awareness of the presence of our God every day in our life. Make signs, put it up, whatever you see, the first thing you get up in the morning. This morning, I will meet with God. Put it down like you're going to meet with a teacher or you got an exam coming up. Mark it in your schedule. This is my time with God. This is my time with God. And you will go through that day with an awareness of His presence that God is in control of your life. He'll begin to deal with your fears. He'll begin to deal with your hurts. He'll show you who He is, and He loves you with an everlasting love, regardless of what hurts come into your life and disappointments. As I was getting ready to go to Nova Scotia, my wife and I, 
to be there as long as God wanted us to. My wife was expecting a child in 1983. She went full term, had a beautiful little girl, Duke Hospital in Eastern North Carolina. I was excited about it. We were looking forward. We just started our deputation three months into it. The next day, I get a call. And the doctor says, something's not right with the baby. We're going to take the baby over. We're actually born in Wilson. We're going to take the baby over to Duke to the hospital by ambulance. I followed at a distance. Back in those days, the mothers didn't go anywhere for a few days after having babies. And I went in there, and all night, I laid on that waiting room floor talking with God. Lord, I've surrendered to missions. I'm going to Nova Scotia. You've led in my life all to this point. My wife was able to travel the next night, late in the evening, to go to the hospital. Just a short time, a few hours, before God chose to take a little girl home to be with him in heaven. I walked away from that hospital feeling empty. But then God began to remind me, He's still God. And He still loves me. And He'll still lead me. And He'll still help me claim my life's verses when I claimed at 17 years of age. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. So we regrouped during that month, continued on our deputation. Just about a year, God had us on the mission field to begin serving those people I described earlier. God is always good. And God is always with us. Daughter in heaven, and a mother in heaven, just two years ago, godly lady. God is always good. We must magnify him as the master of our life. And we have to magnify him as the message to the world that I described earlier. The message to the world. A man that I witnessed to a year ago this fall, he cut my hair for decades. You say, well, he cut too much. You're right. He kept on cutting and kept on cutting. Hour and a half away from where I presently live, I hadn't seen him in a while, and I heard that he had gone to the hospital. A Catholic man that I had given one of these tracts to numerous times over those years. Went to the hospital. I heard he may not live long. Again, I sat down with him, opened the word, Share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's light we're talking about today. Tears came into his eyes that day. He probably knew his time was going to be soon. And I asked him just like I did that 72-year-old lady. This man was probably in the 70s too. I said, would you like to receive this Jesus Christ as your Savior today? He said, yes, he would. Tears coming down. He prayed Right there, this Catholic man, all of his life, 
when I pulled out this gospel track and I gave it to him, he said, you know what he said to me? He said, it's still in my cash drawer. He kept it in that cash register. I can't help but think, but every time he opened that cash register and took somebody's money, he cut their hair, that God reminded him. And through that time period, who knows, maybe he was just waiting for another witness. I believe I'll see Job in heaven someday. Praise the Lord for these people who accept Christ. There's no greater thrill, honestly. Give your life. Let him be the master of your life. And take the message to the world. Years ago, there was a man that planted a church in a particular town. Young man, souls being saved, put on the outside, maybe some of you heard this, he put on the outside of that building in wooden letters, where there is no vision, the people perish. Anytime you drive up, you'd see those big wooden letters. Years went by, God used that church to even plant another church and great blessing of the Lord during that time. And then the Lord called him on, another place. More years went by and he began to hear how that church was declining, numerically and spiritually. As time went on, came an older man, he went back to that location, came into that parking lot and saw that building that was no longer occupied. He saw grass growing up. He saw paint coming off the building. And he looked up on the wall where he, outside where he put those wooden letters years ago, where there is no vision, the people perish. And he noticed in the word where the W had fallen off. And it read here, there is no vision. The people perish. If we don't have a passion for the God of this book, if we don't desire to magnify Him as the King of kings and Lord of lords wherever we go so people can know the name of Jesus, so the, the gospel light of the knowledge of the glory of God can be known and be received, this wonderful message, It'll be hidden, and the people will die in their sin because it will be said of our life, here, there is no vision. In my life, there is no vision. The people perish. God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our service. When we look at our lives with the backdrop of Jesus, Suffering and paying the price of our sin. How can we not take this book and take the message and shine the light into the darkness? Let's pray together. This morning, where are you spiritually? Is there sin that's keeping you from Knowing God, I'm serving God. Self is taking over. And some things you need to renounce this morning. We're going to have an invitation in just a moment. 
of all to Jesus, I surrender if we could, and all to Him, I freely give. It doesn't matter whether we have been in ministry four minutes or 40 years. We're all susceptible to failing God. We're all susceptible to getting away from the Word of God. We begin to do it academically, and we don't do it where we want our heart to be changed before God every day. Maybe you're here this morning, and you want God to have your heart. You want to magnify Him wherever you go, only by His grace. Paul said, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, only because of God's mercy and grace can we get up any day and serve Jesus. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, will you pray for me? God's touched on my heart today about some things, and I need to settle some things with God. We lift that hand this morning, nobody looking around. God bless you and you, several of you. God's touched on my heart about something this morning. And I, I want to give the light, and I want to do it with a clean heart. I want to know my God better. I want to know the passion of Jesus Christ. God's speaking to my heart. Let's stand together as I pray, and then we'll begin singing. As soon as I pray, if God stirred your heart this morning, I want to invite you to come to the altar. You say this morning, I want to magnify God in my life in some areas where he's not been known. He's not been magnified. I want a clean heart. I want God to use me. I want to give him my all. I want to sign off on the paper that at the top says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Father, I pray, even as you've already worked, been working in hearts, you stir all of us, including this preacher this morning. Help us, the Lord, to be yielded afresh under our God. Give us the compassion of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be clean before you. And help us, Lord, to walk into this world shining the light in the darkness with your power so the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us earthen vessels. Empty us today in Jesus' name.